Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to Friday. Hi, everybody. We're going to do a Friday here. We got the dish coming up. It's, um, I think it's safe to say that it's been, uh, it's been a, a, a long week. It's been, it's been an interesting week. Um, I think probably everybody seriously, uh, in the media today, I'm sure Tom and Christian in our newsroom and, and everybody who works in television, uh, was getting calls and making calls about this story that apparently there were several school districts around the state and around the city of San Antonio that got threats, threatening emails that something was going to happen today. And some of them mentioned a, a Russian terrorist organization. And I had, I had a few emails about it too. Um, and it was received at all the, or many of the major districts here in town, like Northeast and Northside and SAISD and Southwest. And, but it, it, it looks like nothing happened and thank God everybody's okay. I, I think that my rule of thumb on this has always been, and, and of course you got to look into it and you got to make calls, but my rule of thumb about these things has always been that, um, the real deal, bad guys don't generally don't warn you or, tell you they're going to do it, right? Then they just do it. Um, and especially when it's a Friday and especially when it's close to a, a break, um, you, you get these. It's sick and it's not right, but it's it's become kind of more common. Um, so anyway, uh, that's what's been going on with that. And um, I, I feel for you. I know when you have a kid in school and you hear anything like this, or even when you just hear that there was a shooting, uh, somewhere, an actual event that it, it, it always brings it home and you always start to worry about your kid and your district and stuff like that. Um, in, in a way, uh, this kind of segues me to what I wanted to start with. Um, I was thinking this week about the testimony of the FBI director, Christopher Ray. He was in front of the Senate. And he was asked a question by one of the senators about the so-called threat matrix. And Christopher Ray said, all the red lights are blinking. Which is probably figurative. I don't think they literally have a board with red lights on it. All the red lights are blinking on all the various kinds of national security threats. He says the, the threats that the Bureau monitors are at or, or near, quote, all-time highs. He said, quote, I've never seen a time like it. Now, Christopher Ray is credibility challenged. He's not follicularly challenged. He has fantastic hair, but he's credibility challenged. Right? Yeah. But here's the thing. How can we be a country where all the red lights are blinking, but we waved in two million unaccounted for? 
How can all the red lights be blinking and we're hiding illegal immigrants in a secret holding center at the San Antonio International Airport? And how many more of those are there? I mean, that's the one that got outed, but how many more of those are there around town and around the state and around the country? We talked several weeks ago about Colony Ridge subdivision. How many of those are there? How much expedited processing has there been of young Chinese men traveling alone with no plausible explanation as to the quantity of them, the circuitous journey they've taken, the simultaneous arrival of them, or their purpose in being here? So in other words, if all the red lights were blinking, Director Ray, what would this country or any country do? It would do everything differently than what we are doing right now. If all the red lights were blinking, if you had never seen a time like this, there would be no time to hassle people that go to school board meetings or protest drag queen story hour. There'd be no time for the J6 idiots. There'd be no time to harass and hassle people who dissent from the regime. There would be no way you would leave every door, window, and gate to this country open. In fact, in fact, historically, when America has felt under attack or imminent attack, American presidents have not only slammed everything shut, but they very often trampled the Constitution or due process in order to do that, deporting people without hearings, uh, barring um, what would normally have been routine entry into the country, suspending habeas corpus, and, 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 and on and on it goes. So which country are we? It doesn't add up, right? I mean, I'm not saying he's wrong. He may be telling the truth. But are we the country where all the red lights are blinking, or are we the country that is acting like, come on in, water's fine. The deal with the airport hangar at San Antonio International, look, I I know that the government does a lot of things that are secret. I, I also know there's a lot of stuff the government can point to and say, well, technically it wasn't a secret. You just had to read bulletin number 86-143BXW, and you would have known. They can always point to something and say, well, we did reveal it if you weren't looking in the right place. But but here's the thing about all of our uh, handling under Biden of illegal immigration. Here, here the, the theme is always the same. We're not doing anything wrong, but we are hiding what we're doing. We're not doing anything wrong, but we're we're playing a shell game with it. We're moving people around. We're using Orwellian obfuscating language. Like if you're really doing something that you think is is noble, and these are refugees, and we're giving them asylum from bad places, you'd be bragging about it. I mean, Biden brags about stuff he didn't do. So if he really believed, and they really believed that this was all very noble and in keeping with Emma Lazarus, then it would be out in the open. You wouldn't hide them. You'd parade them. They're hiding them. That tells you all you need to know. And I have to laugh because 
the city council members are now irate that they weren't told about what was happening at the airport. Why should they know any more than the city council in New York City or the aldermen of Chicago or Los Angeles? Or I mean, it's the same thing. In every major American city, uh, the federal government is dumping people, moving people, stashing people. It's like the warehouse in Gone in 60 Seconds. You know, it's to make sure nobody followed you. And, and of course they don't know. Of course they're not telling you. I, I mean, I, I have less sympathy for any city that has a bunch of bleeding heart, far left, progressive uh, people running it. Or that's declared itself a sanctuary city. They they probably kind of richly deserve to be left in the dark and fed you know what. But but I mean it, it's the pattern. So you guys on the San Antonio City Council, I, I, I say guys, not you know to be exclusive. Uh, you're you're not any more in the dark than any other city government is about what the Biden administration is doing, what Biden's America is doing with illegal immigrants in your city. I wonder how many hangers there are. I wonder how many secrets there are. And, um, of course, your tax dollars are being spent on this. Your tax dollars are also being spent on things that you like, like you probably like some of the things Governor Abbott's done, and you support them. But remember, again, you're paying for that, too. So the charade and the, and the, the hiding and the lying and the secrets... It's all on you. But blinking lights are everywhere, says Christopher Ray. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. There is a report not confirmed this afternoon that the Board of Trustees at the University of Pennsylvania has told the president of the university she needs to step down. Uh, we played that for you uh, yesterday. She was the one that was all smiley and coy with Congresswoman Stefanik, uh, where she couldn't say if calling for Jewish genocide constituted harassment of Jewish students on their campuses. The ladies who run Harvard, MIT, and Penn all gave waffling answers that were not only waffling, but as I thought about it last night, um, really cold. Like, if you could have seen the facial expressions on these three it was like a Bond villain, you know? It was like uh, when the Bond villain talks about how, well, if I need to, I'll just uh, vaporize the planet, you know? They they are not just being evasive and insipid. They seem to completely lack the human element here. And um, now I see where they're all apologizing the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, says, I am sorry words matter. When words amplify distress and pain, I don't know how you could feel anything but regret. I think she just regrets that people saw it and the, 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 you know, the, the mask slipped. So I'm going to say this, and you can think of me whatever you want. I don't forgive them. I'm not feeling forgiveness. I, I know Jesus forgives and I should be forgiving. I'm not, I'm not a very good person. I, I don't pretend to be otherwise. I don't forgive them. I hope all three of them lose their jobs. 
embarrassingly, humiliatingly. I hope that they can't get another job as cushy and perk-filled as the one they have now. I hope that they have to leave under the most abject circumstances. I know that not, I know none of this will happen. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm just telling you. Um, I don't forgive them. It's not okay. Their words are not enough. They showed us who they are the first time. Like Stefanik said, it was a really easy question. I mean, it was like, you know, come on. You don't have to look for the answers in the back of the book on this one. Oh, yes, that would be wrong. Yes. I um, I said it yesterday. I, I think this is a moment to save the receipts and remember who did what. You know, who did what in the war. You know? Because, uh, again, as I said, th- there will be a time when a lot of people will claim they were totally in the right and super brave and we're going to remember who was and who wasn't. There is an airplane flying over the Harvard campus. One of those little, you know, little little airplane towing a banner, which you don't see very much anymore. That used to be a very big thing, especially in the summer, right? You'd be at the beach and there'd be somebody promoting something. This is flying over the Harvard campus in Cambridge, Massachusetts, trailing a banner that says, Harvard hates Jews. And according to Channel 5 in Boston, a group of students who are Jewish um, paid for it. They rented the banner and the plane and paid for uh, about a three-hour flight, and they planned to fly over some other Ivy League campuses as well. Uh, Dave Portnoy, the guy from Barstool Sports, who is not a guy you want to get on the wrong side of. When, When Dave Portnoy doesn't like you, it's pretty unpleasant. Um, He was pretty outraged by the university presidents uh, the other day. He has started um, marketing a T-shirt that says Hamas University. It's in the exact font of Harvard with the crest and the whole thing. It says Hamas University and um, the ISIS of the East. So I'm sorry, I'm not gracious about it. If you are, you can you can tell me why I should be. But um, they they deserve to not only have to walk back, but to live with what they said. And I hope that maybe moments like the ones we've had this week, maybe I don't know, maybe uh, start to bring some clarity for other people as well. Because when you when you watched the 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 presidents. I, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine that anyone, even people that, that in fact do disfavor Israel or the Jews, would have thought, well, that was a good performance. They really, they really came across well. They really handled that well. I, I doubt it. I somehow doubt it. They just looked horrible. And the whole, the whole argument, the whole side looked horrible. So, am I enjoying that? Yes, I am. Um, I feel like maybe I wasn't clear, so I just want to 
go back over something we just talked about because Don said he got a call. Um, there was a threat against multiple school districts. I thought I said this, but I'm going to say it again just so we're clear. Uh, there was a threat. There were no attacks. The threat was reported. It's been in the news all day. Nothing happened. I get that people were concerned. I would be when my daughter was in public school. I was. And I said, I think generally, and this is just a surmise, that probably the real bad guys don't warn or threat. They just do it. But again, just in case you're tuning in and hear, you know, I know sometimes people come in the middle of a segment, in the middle of a sentence even. There have been no attacks on any school districts around San Antonio today. There had been a threat about today that was made uh, to multiple districts. And then we were talking about the uh, university presidents. We can talk about that, 210-599-5555. Apparently, Penn had a $100 million donation that was, I don't know if it was pending or had been announced but not yet made or whatever, but uh, a donor uh, who owns an outfit called Stone Ridge Asset Management uh, named Ross Stevens uh, had... I guess he had started, if I remember the story, I think he had started what was going to be giving it like in installments or something. So it was valued at $100 million. It wasn't like a $100 million check all at once. But in any event, he uh, had his lawyers send a letter to Penn after the uh, testimony of that school's president, Liz McGill, saying, we're, we're canceling the, the gift. I, I would imagine, I'm sorry to say this, that probably the walking back today, which has been abject and at all three schools, probably because of things like that. I, I wish I could say they saw the light, they had a moment, they came to themselves, but I, it's probably pressure and money. And, hey, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Did you see where, and I didn't even know this was a thing, the... White House Interns Association. I mean, I knew there were White House interns, but I didn't know they had an association. The White House Interns Association has signed a letter to President Biden and Vice President Harris demanding a ceasefire. A group of 40 interns uh, telling Biden and Harris there must be a, quote, permanent ceasefire, unquote, We, the undersigned fall 2023 White House and Executive Office interns, will no longer remain silent on the ongoing, try not to laugh till I finish, laugh at the end, on the ongoing genocide of the Palestinian people. We are Palestinian, Jewish, Arab, Muslim, Christian, Black, Asian, Latino, Latina, white, and queer. Um... I'm so old, I remember when the, the White House interns did something completely different for presidents. Now, apparently, they make foreign policy. How about you shut up and be an intern? How about you silently observe and learn as part of whatever degree or multiple degrees you are pursuing? I assume that White House interns are probably people that have pretty prestigious credentials and or know people. Right, one or the other, and um, you're there to learn. You're not there to make policy. There, absolutely, no one wants to know what you think. No one cares what you think about 
the war between Israel and Hamas. I doubt even your own family cares, but they have to pretend they do. But imagine the, the chutzpah of writing a letter. You're the interns. Make coffee, make copies. If Bill Clinton's there, something else. But, I mean, really? We demand a ceasefire? I don't know what's worse. I don't, I don't know what is worse. That, um, that they thought they should have a position on this or that they actually put this out. I mean, I assume they publicized it because I don't think this would have come from like Corinne Jean Pierre's office. Maybe it did, but my guess is they put it out. Um, I mean, just that says it all right there. That's like the most 2023 story of them all. We, the interns, demand a ceasefire. If you are an intern and you think that you should be making or shaping uh, the president's policies, I would say the internship has probably been a failure. I don't think you got it. I don't think you grasp what this is about. So I don't know about you. I'm try not to be mean to young people, but just shut up. Really, nobody nobody wants to know. Nobody cares. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside. Painted candy canes on the tree Santa's on his way He's filled his sleigh with things Things for you and for me Good afternoon, welcome to our show And the dish is coming up in our 6 o'clock hour We'll be talking restaurants after six, President Biden says it's a bunch of lies that he had anything to do with the foreign business associates and compadres of the smartest man he knows, Hunter Biden. Cut number two. Uh, there's polling by the Associated Press that shows that almost 70 percent of Americans, including 40 percent of Democrats, believe that you acted either illegally or unethically in regards to your family's business interests. Can you explain to the Americans uh, to Americans admit this impeachment inquiry, why you interacted with so many of your son and brother's foreign business associates? I'm not going to comment that I did not, and it's just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of their lies. business associates? I did not. There's what? lies. Um, I'm not going to comment, but <laughs> there are a bunch of lies. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, I don't mean to split hairs, but it just still grates on me when they call it business. These people don't have a business. It's a grift. It's influence peddling. They don't operate a store or sell a product or make stuff. That would be a business. I mean, this um, this is just basically selling out the country. I guess we're the business, maybe. You could put it that way if you wanted to. Um, but Hunter Biden, uh, smartest man he knows, uh, got nine federal tax charges, uh, this week. 
uh, failure to pay taxes, evasion of taxes, false fraudulent tax returns, uh, according to Special Counsel David Weiss. The response from uh, the Hunter camp is, hey, we thought this wasn't going to be a thing, and we thought this was addressed with the pretrial agreement, and we think Weiss is being sneaky and duplicitous, and we're going to take it up with him in court. Let's bring in uh, Bill Pyatt, professor of law at St. Mary's University School of Law on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Professor, it's good to have you uh, back with us. And so to Abby Lowell's point about we thought we had an agreement. Um, can you kind of walk us through how that would govern or not govern what happened in L.A. yesterday? Well, yes, and thank you, Jack, for having me back on. There was a, uh, a plea agreement, but a plea agreement is subject to approval by a court, and the court saw through that plea agreement, which would have basically uh, given Hunter Biden two years probation on misdemeanor tax charges, and he would have avoided prosecution completely on the gun charge if he fulfilled probation, and the judge refused to accept it. And as a result of the judge's refusal to accept it, and apparently the, the scrutiny that's been placed on this case, the nine tax charges that were filed in California include three felonies and six misdemeanors. But one of the difficulties with that is they go back to the years 2016 through 2019. The special counsel ignored and let the statute of limitations run on some probably even more serious tax charges. So Hunter Biden got away with some of those things just because of the operation of the statute of limitations, and he almost got away with the rest of them because of a sweetheart deal that the judge refused to accept. Mm. So Abby Lowell, who's a very prominent uh, attorney, surely must know that that was not approved by the judge. So is he just trying, is he hoping people will think, Oh, yeah, that isn't fair. They had an agreement. I think he's going to argue that that previous agreement should apply and that they should not be able to indict Hunter Biden on these new charges, actually the old charges, because they'd already reached an agreement with the prosecution not to do that. But again, the difficulty from his of, of his argument is that the court never accepted that plea. So you can reach whatever agreement you want with the prosecution. If the judge refuses to accept mm -hmm. it, it's null. So that agreement is not a limiting, uh, in other words, that is not a promise that uh, Weiss made because the judge rejected it. He, he made it, but it would be subject to the judge's approval. Now, I'm right. sure Hunter Biden's attorneys, after he's ultimately convicted, uh, we'll probably, if they decide they're going to appeal, they'll allege that this case shouldn't have ever been brought because of that previous sweetheart deal that they had all entered into and hoped would kind of take care of everything for uh, Hunter Biden. A lot of us are looking at this, uh, Professor, and we're saying this is a man alleged to have sex trafficked, uh, you know, acted as a foreign agent, never registered as one. Um, the, the, all the references to the Biden family business, there, there's no business. None of this is legitimate. So could this be sort of a distraction? Like this isn't the stuff we think he really did or the most important and serious stuff he did. It, it, one way of looking at this, I think, is that they're kind of offering Hunter Biden up on a spit to protect his father. Well, that's a possibility. Uh, 
although I think they tried real hard, the special uh, prosecutor tried real hard to avoid even that by putting in a probation deal that would have swept everything under the rug mm-hmm. and we would face mm-hmm. the election with none of these things pending. The attorneys for Hunter Biden are saying if his name wasn't Biden, none of this would be happening to him. Mm-hmm. I think the better perspective is if his name wasn't Hunter Biden, he probably would have been in jail already. He would have been charged for uh, prosecuted and prosecuted yeah. for crimes that yeah. occurred way, way before this. I guess the way I'm looking at it, I agree with that. I guess the way I'm looking at it is they they probably initially thought we're going to save Joe and Hunter, but if they can't save them both, you and I both know which one is going down, and it's not Joe. That's right, and I doubt actually these the new charges will probably not be resolved by the time of the election, so they're probably just going to be sitting around mm-hmm. um Given Hunter Biden, actually, if he wants to, he could go now to Congress and plead the Fifth Amendment, saying, I can't talk about any of the stuff you want to ask me about because I'm under indictment now. And so it may be that they'll try to use this to to just stall until after the election. We're talking with uh, St. Mary's University law professor Bill Pyatt on KTSA. Now, this afternoon, uh, there was a federal appeals court uh, ruling on the gag order against former President Trump. Uh, this was the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and I guess they upheld some of it and um, lifted others. Can you kind of walk us through that? Sure. First of all, why would the court ever have a gag order in the first place? It's not that unusual in a criminal case to tell the witnesses, tell the defendant that they can't discuss the case or some aspects of the case or communicate with witnesses. And the reason for that theoretically is You're trying to make sure that there's a fair trial. You're trying to make sure that witnesses aren't threatened or intimidated. And you want to make sure that the case is tried in the court. In the the Trump situation, it's a little bit different because he's obviously a candidate for the presidency of the United States. This three-judge panel, all of whom happen to be Democrats for whatever that's worth, lifted a bit of the gag order that had been imposed by the district court judge, also a Democrat, And so now the gag order is going to prohibit former President Trump from making statements regarding witnesses under the theory that you don't want to intimidate a witness. But it also says he can't talk about lawyers, court staff, special counsel, although he is able to criticize special counsel Jack Smith directly. And I think the theory is trying to stop him from talking about lawyers, court staff, special counsel would prohibit or not give people the opportunity to call in and criticize and threaten and harass those people as well. The, the, the overriding difficulty is, though, the First Amendment gives us the right to speak. And the presumption is that speech is going to be protected. And especially when you're talking about an advanced blocking of speech, a prior restraint on speech, a chilling of the right to freedom of speech, courts are going to look at that pretty narrowly. So I would not be surprised. I'm sure that the Trump attorneys have already said they're going to appeal I wouldn't be surprised if the Supreme Court takes a look at this and maybe even narrows the gag order further. Um, we have the obligation as a society to maintain a judicial system that's fair, and that means the defense gets to defend, the prosecution gets to prosecute, mm-hmm. the case needs to be tried in the courts. But to prohibit people from criticizing the attorneys that are prosecuting them uh, may be going a little bit too far. Criticizing the court personnel may be going a little too far. As I hear you say this and, and, and talk about that balancing, do we really even need to reference 
that he's a candidate for president. I mean, it, it's in it's sort of like when when Christopher Ray talks about how they made decisions at the FBI because they knew it was an election year. To me, that grates on the ears. It's like I don't want you thinking about the election or the candidate or influencing uh, an election one way or the other. The, the whole point of your existence is that you're outside of that world, and and shouldn't the courts be also? Well, you know, theoretically people come in front of the court and they stand equally before the law and that's the way it should be. But I think there's the underlying concern that former president Trump wouldn't even be in this situation if he wasn't running again for president of the United States. I mean, these prosecutions could have been brought years ago and yet they were delayed until the time that he announces he's running for the presidency. So you can't treat people as being above the law, but you also can't treat people as being beneath the law. He doesn't give up his First Amendment rights because he's running for president. And the fact that he is running for president means that he has the right to criticize uh, his opponents, some of whom might be witnesses in the case against him. And the courts are trying to strike a balance to make sure that the whole system functions on a, on a fair level without interfering with his rights as a first, that, as a, to the First Amendment expression. Mm-hmm. We're interfering with the court's right to administer its uh, system of justice. I, I guess I, I understand that. I guess I was just thinking um, we, we we really should not have the 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 coloring or the flavoring of these kinds of decisions, whether it's the FBI in terms of how they're handling an investigation or an appeals court. We we don't want them to be too mindful of oh we could be swinging an election one way or the other like i I would think there would be better clearer guideposts for them than that does that make sense yes and and actually i think the trump attorney suggested one way around the dilemma is just to delay the trial until after the election um but the appellate court said no, they didn't. Well, want there's to do always that. an election. I mean, in a way, if you think about, it, like, like when Ray said that uh, pertaining to the FBI, we're always about to have an election. There's always an election every other year. There's a there's a federal election. So it, it's to me, there's no way you can. There's no like period of time when you can say this is a politics free, you know, zone, right? Yes, except that this is a presidency of the United States, and that might make a difference. Uh, in the overall approach, especially if the allegation by the Trump attorneys are that this prosecution is being brought specifically because he is a candidate for the presidency of the United States. I mean, it's a it's a difficult situation, and I predict it's going to the Supreme Court. We're going to this is not the last word. The three judge mm-hmm. panel is not the end of this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, thanks to the left, the Supreme Court's not the last word anymore either. But uh Always good to get your perspective on this. It's been great to have you back. Uh, hope we can do it again soon. Professor, thank you tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. All right, Bill Pyatt at St. Mary's University School of Law.
Uh, Los Lobos. Uh, we've got uh, news with Tom. We've got Azra Nomani, a uh, great friend of our show, going to join us in the next 20 minutes or so. We're going to talk about the university presidents and some other things. And of course, you can join the show at 210-599-5555. Um, I get questions once in a while about the uh, the Christmas music that we play. Don, you probably get them too. Uh, Mark sent a nice letter uh uh, love the show, listen every day on the drive home from work. Would love to know how I could get a list of the Christmas songs that you play on the show this time of year. So many of them I haven't heard in years, and unfortunately when I'm driving I can't write them down. I would love to add them to my Christmas playlist. Wow, you got some work um, ahead of you. We do, <laughs> we do not have, I had to break <laughs> the news to Mark, we don't have some sort of sophisticated <laughs> logging and... Right? It's very um, <laughs> ad hoc. So I'll just say this. Any time you hear us play anything that you like or are interested in, either hit me right away on the email, and I will definitely get you a title and artist, because if you wait till the next day, I probably don't have it. I won't remember it. Um, and I also, and I'm going to do this for Mark, and I'll do this for anybody else, I'd be happy to make a list of the CDs we use. I can't, mm. make, I can't make a list of all the songs because we play certain tracks from each of these CDs, but I would gladly bang out a, a list of the CDs that we draw from, if that would help you. There you go. Um, and just just email me. I'll I have another idea. That. I have another idea. Oh, yeah? What's, they, what's that? They can listen to our podcast and use Google Play. Yeah, I guess they could. I didn't think of that. Mm -hmm. Look at you. There you modern go. Modern guy. <laughs> so there's a few ways you can do it, but uh, feel free to hit us up. We're happy to help. Uh, but, yeah, it's there's no, like... Um, that sounds like something very professional. You've come to the wrong place if you were expecting that from us. Getting word this afternoon that actor Ryan O'Neill has died. He was 82. Love Story, Paper Moon, famously with uh, stars like Farrah Fawcett and Barbara Streisand. And talk about him a little bit later on as we go along here. Um, and you're, of course, you're always welcome to join the show. 210 599 55, the great Azra Nomani will be uh, with us in about 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, always love having uh, her on and hearing her thoughts about some things. Um, here's a lady you don't hear much from, hardly ever, in the news this week. Melania Trump. Melania Trump, reportedly, has a running mate in mind for her husband. Now, there's been a lot of names mentioned. And um, I, my rule of thumb on vice presidential running mates is it's usually never of the it's usually never any of the people who are like initially and hyped, you know, initially mentioned and hyped. Like that's the kiss of death. You're not getting it. Uh, reportedly, Melania is lobbying for the running mate to be Tucker Carlson. How's that grab you? What is your first impression of that? Trump, Tucker Carlson. They seem kind of palsy. Um, and obviously, Trump 
is a guy who appreciates somebody with um who he, he appreciates and of course has uh somebody that has a following i wonder if tucker carlson is too big a star because i'm kind of thinking um and this is not only true of donald trump i mean it's especially true of donald trump but it's actually true of most people who run for president they don't want the running mate to outshine or get ahead of the top person. Tucker Carlson might be too popular, like in the in the right circles. He might have t- he might have he might have too much of an ability to generate headlines and and stuff. But anyway, that's supposedly that's what she would like to see happen. She apparently likes Tucker and watches them and thinks that he would be a good influence on her husband. Um, what do you think about that? 210-599-5555. I personally would like to see Tucker Carlson just keep doing what he does. I'm not one of those people who, and I know I'm in the minority on this, and I'm not, I, I know most people would disagree with me, but like when, when people say about someone, that person should be president or that person should run for president, they mean that as the highest compliment. But a lot of times they're talking about somebody who actually is getting a lot of good things done right where they are. And running for president is not the best use of their energies or their prominence, I don't think. Like I we need Tucker Carlson to be Tucker Carlson, don't we? Like who else is who else is doing what he does with the brio and 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 brilliance that he does it? I I want him to just keep doing that. Vice president, really? Like that's where you want to put him? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Uh, the other name that came up, we mentioned this the other day, I think we talked about it, was Dr. Ben Carson. Because Trump apparently, when he looks back on his term, of course, he see, his view is that most of the people he brought with him betrayed him, were disappointments. You know, he's, he's now decided that most of the people he chose and appointed from Pence, to Tillerson, to McMaster, to, you know, all of them. Their disappointments and their zeros and frauds and, you know, he hates Kaylee McEnany now and all that. But but he seems to have always had a, a soft spot for Ben Carson. He, he, he seems to believe, probably with reason, that Carson was loyal to him and Carson's brilliant and he's well-respected, he's quiet, now, unlike Tucker Carlson, you can imagine that Ben Carson would not eclipse or outshine, you know, Donald Trump. So do you like that name? Any of these names grabbing you? <laughs> it's not gonna it's probably not gonna be any of the people that are being hyped up about it. That just usually is the case. It's weird, but it's usually the case. Uh, there was a very weird, I don't remember the details of it now. I remember we told the story when it happened. There was a very weird way by which Trump wound up with Pence in 2016. First of all, as you remember, Pence wasn't running for president. And Pence wasn't really a guy that normally Donald Trump would have even known about. But the story was like something, it was something like they were, the the the, the campaign plane had to land or I guess it did land. It made a it made a scheduled visit to Indianapolis, but when it landed, something happened to the plane, like it got a flat tire or something, 
and they wound up being in Indy longer than scheduled or planned, which meant that Trump wound up spending more time with uh, Mike and Karen Pence, and then I guess they had a good... You know how sometimes you just... Somebody you know, but you you wind up having a better time with them, this particular dinner or this particular visit or whatever, and it sort of changes your... Like, well, you know what, I really... Never really appreciated this person. Or, yeah, this is really cool to spend more time with. And, and it was something that sort of off the cuff, apparently. Now, not to say that there weren't other people pulling strings and making things happen. Pence is very, obviously was a guy with, with ambitions um, and had been a national political figure for a long time. But I think um, it seemed kind of up, off the cuff or unexpected and i know when when they made the announcement the 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 political illuminati were all kind of stumped because pence didn't seem like a good fit for trump and trump would have normally not even have known anything about a mike pence but i think the fit was that pence was a quiet behind the scenes guy not very flashy i mean there there wasn't like sound bites and scandals and you know he was just so 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 pence knew his place i i think you will find that trump wants a running mate who does not compete with him for clicks and attention and headlines and whoever it is i think that's one thing we can probably say You know, yesterday when we were playing the audio of the university presidents and their waffling um, and really disturbing answers, not only the words, but the frozen smile faces, just the coldness uh, of those answers to Congresswoman Stefanik's questions, I was thinking about our next guest. I was thinking, what would she have to say about this? And then last night, bang, there she was on one of the nighttime cable shows. Azra Omani uh, wrote the book Woke Army, the Red-Green Alliance that is Destroying America's Freedom. Uh, that book came out earlier this year. She joins us right now in the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. So, Azra, it's great to have you uh, back, and thank you for making time for us. And what what oh, did go God. through your mind when these presidents gave these now very unsatisfying answers yesterday? Well, you know, I saw the three women lined up there as symbols of what's supposed to be the best of America. And I saw behind them 60 years of work that our disturbing Muslim leadership in America has been doing in order to create puppets in a congressional hearing with their brains turned off and their rational thought just extinguished. You know, it, that's how long it's taken because my dad came here in 1960s and that's when this Muslim Students Association was created in 1963. So then I arrived in 1969. I just want to give, like, because we see these three faces, it's in the headlines, but I just want to take people back. And, and I know you knew that I would know this. 
I saw those 60 years behind those women. Because 63, mm. the Muslim Students Association was created. 1993, the Students for Justice in Palestine was created, right around the time of this group called the Council on American-Islamic mm. Relations. Yeah, 2001 happened. And then this machine that is just guilting people, shaming them if they dare to call out Islamic extremism. And so now we're in 2023, and you have this most obvious of questions. Do you consider a cry for the genocide of Jews to be harassment and bullying on your campus? And anybody who can study the brain knows that what we witnessed before us as we were watching was just the brightest, the supposedly brightest minds in America not having any common sense, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Their brains had been hijacked. And that is six decades in the making in this country. So I know you know that, like, that doesn't happen overnight. That is a machine. And what they're seeing in front of them is not Representative Stefanik, but their fear. Their fear of, they say the wrong word, then this cartel of Islamist organizations funded by Saudi, Qatar, Turkey, Iran are going to come crashing down on their heads. But the really great news is America is awakening. Like this mm. is the finally the great awakening of America, the real awakening. Well, well, you know, the other thing I thought when I watched and listened uh, to the heartless robotic yeah. responses was, have you noticed every single time someone in the media talks about attacks on Jews on college campuses or even on the public streets, they always concurrently mention, and there's a lot of Islamophobia, but there isn't. That That's not comparable. Th they can't point to the numbers or the statistics. They, they, they feel the need to throw that in, and I think it goes to what you're saying. They feel like if they don't balance out any recognition of anti-Semitism or violence against Jews with, oh, there's also an equally great problem with violence against Muslims, that something will happen to them. But that that is a yeah. that is being ginned up. And ginned up is the right, but gin is the right word. Ginned up by a network of multi-million dollar organizations from the far left and the Islamist organizations that have been lobbying for this equivocation, you know, um, this every time you mention anti-Semitism, even from the pulpit of the White House, remember when mm -hmm. the press secretary didn't even hear the word anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. like her brain couldn't even register anti-Semitism. And she said, oh, yeah, we're dealing with Islamophobia. Right. Because it's been it's I've been at those meetings. I went to the old executive office building when the Obama administration invited these lobbyists and these political operatives from the organizations like Council on American Islamic Relations, Islamic Society of North America. You know, Jack, these are the organizations that hijacked the Democratic Party and made it so that you, even when October 7th happened, that that moment, there wasn't even a day of grief and mourning on their part for the Israeli and the Jews and the Arabs too from Israel that had been kidnapped and slaughtered. But 
it immediately turned to Gaza, you know, and the Palestinian uh, grievance because they needed to erase the the actual crime of extremism, just like they did with 9-11. Like, we got attacked, and immediately they flipped it that next day Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to make it about Islamophobia. And in 2015, no, 2005, sorry, this this organization of Islamic cooperation that is like the mini UN for all the Islamic countries, they created an Islamophobia campaign after the big Danish cartoon controversy. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I do. So, so this is years in the making, and and that's why, like, you know, I've worked as as many years on this book, Mine Woke Army, and and I went to the cast of characters, and number one in the cast of characters. It's Hatem Bazian, the director of the founder of the Students for Justice in Palestine, that's taken over the campuses, and then four, and then five academics after that that have taken over Duke University, Georgetown University, um, you know, Yale, Princeton, like all of them, and um, and then the list of the organizations it, it just it, it it spans six pages because. It's not an overnight sensation. Right, right. And that's important to note, I think, that this isn't just turnout um, of television-friendly, you know, protests or or what have you. The the, the roots go deep. The indoctrination has been ongoing, probably, you know, much longer than we realize. Um, And so let me ask you this. Um, There's rumors that one or more of these university presidents may be on the hot seat. But does it matter if if somebody like uh, Liz McGill resigns or gets fired if they're just going to replace her with somebody who's the same? Yeah, I have to say that you know, I, and I, I on a human level, Jack, I want to thank you for thinking of me because you know, I, part of me is so relieved that people are waking up to the you know just um, ways that our brains and and country have been hijacked, and yet at the same time. These folks are relentless in the woke army. They are not going to surrender. You know the Council on American Islamic Relations uh, co-founder Nihad Awad. He was just recorded at the student at the sorry American Muslims for Palestine conference saying he was happy over the October seventh mm-hmm. attacks. Right. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, Biden administration, yeah, the Biden administration had care. Their abbreviation on um, their anti-Semitism coalition, when they're the biggest anti-Semites. So finally they were kicked out yesterday. And, you know, like, I know you know how I feel, which is like, it's a bit of relief. But at the same time, to answer your question, there's so many. Their bench is so deep. It's exactly. And ours has to, like, we have to have courage. Like, everybody has to take this moment because this is the greatest moment that I have been able to see in 21 years that we could possibly defeat them and and marginalize them. You know, that's yeah. what we have to do, is marginalize them, because they're such a part of American society right now in power with Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar. Um, they have Nadi Hassan on MSNBC. You know, they're, they've entrenched themselves in beachheads and universities everywhere. They're all over Texas. You know, they're all over Texas. And um, and and we have to be vigilant in a, like in a in a place of dignity, grace, intellect. Right? We have to do. We have to represent our nation in the best way possible. 
How do you feel about TikTok? I mean, there was a debate about that during the, the Republican debate the other night, and you know, there's there's clear evidence. If you watch that at all, you see that there's a preponderance of pro-Palestinian propaganda. Is that a place or a space you want to be in as well, or do you think that will be effective, or or, or what? Yeah, I mean, we have to fight on every uh, battlefield that exists out there. There's just because um, the Chinese own it and it is a uh, platform for the um, propagandists of our really our enemies, we have to still fight them. It's a kinetic warfare, right? And it's asymmetric, all the fancy words. And guess what, Jack? I'm a little TikTok star because I went to one of these awful, awful anti-Israel, anti-Jew rallies and underneath my newspaper um, jacket that I wear, I wore this green hoodie that says across it, Israel Defense Forces. I picked it up in a uh, secondhand shop in the West Bank, run by Palestinians. That was crazy, right? Um, so this man, this, yeah, I know you couldn't make that up. This man oh. said, nice hoodie. And I was like, oh man, busted. You know, because there's 200,000 people that have from yeah. the river to the sea virtually tattooed on their foreheads. And yep. I thought to myself, oops, okay, found out. So I'm like, oh, thank you. Well, it turned out he's this Jewish rapper that goes by the name of Kosher Dills. And um, he, um, just started asking me questions and I thought, I don't know him. I don't know if this is a trap, but I'm just going to just go for it and trust this moment. And I found a friend. I found an ally and he's a really clever, um, you know, uh, person on the street interviewer. And I told him the truth. He asked me, is Hamas a terrorist organization? I said, absolutely. And um, and we had a great moment, and and so he put his the video on TikTok, and on you on Instagram, and uh, you can find it. Go to my um my accounts there, and this is what will break your heart because it did mine. It was it's been viewed hundreds of thousands of times now, and I've gotten hundreds of messages from Jewish people from around the world. So sad right now that they feel. Uh, misunderstood, they feel isolated, demonized, and they just thanked me for like my humanity. Mm. And that I felt was at least a success, you know, to pierce through the propaganda mm -hmm. and to reach mm -hmm. other people's hearts. So Jack, I think like we all have to try, like I want to encourage everyone in whatever way that they can get their presence out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and even when you have three followers, you make a difference, you know? wherever Amen. you are, whatever you have the capacity to do. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 this is a moment that we will remember later who did what, and yes. there will be a lot of people who will try to say later on that they, of course, they were on the right side and they thought the right things, but we need to remember what did and did not happen, uh, you know, in this moment. The book is Woke Army, the Red-Green Alliance that is Destroying America's Freedom. Azra Nomani, always a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Thank you for making time for us. Uh, thank you. And I, I just want to take a moment because not everybody is on the correct side of history, and you've been in this long struggle with me. You've been a friend. And I, whenever I hear that you want to talk to me, I'll drop anything because... 
that's what kinship is. Like we haven't met each other face to face, but through time and space, we connect, right? Yeah. For our absolutely. love of nation and humanity. And so thank you for all the service you do. Thank you, Azra. Be well. Talk to you soon. Love knows no season. Love knows no climb. Romance can blossom any old time. Here in the open, we're walking and hoping together. Welcome to our show. And feel free to join the show at 210-599-5555. Yeah, we were talking off the air about Azra Nomani during the break because uh, Don was asking me about how long I've known her and how long she's been on. She's been on our show since we were on at night. And uh, we, we went to nights right after 9-11. 9-11 was the beginning of Into the Night. And um, it wasn't, wasn't uh, but maybe a few years into that, that so early 2000s, and Azra Nomani is, I, I think I've said this or some of this before, but just so you know, she was a big time, like liberal. She, she worked for the Wall Street Journal, but she was a, she would tell you she was a, a feminist and a Democrat, capital D, um, and, uh, had supported, uh, you know, Gore for president, all that stuff. She was a close, colleague and friend of Daniel Pearl at the Wall Street Journal. In fact, he lived in a rental house she owned in Pakistan when he disappeared. And you remember, tragically, horribly, uh, the terrorists beheaded him on YouTube. And that broke her. That that um, just changed so many things for her in terms of how she... I, I don't think she would mind me telling you this. She's written about it on Substack and stuff like that. So she's become a fighter against extreme Islam or Islamism, as it's called, and um, has written about it and become... And then that kind of dovetailed, as the years went by, into activism against what I guess you would call critical race theory and wokeism, because her son was going to that Thomas Jefferson High School, which is the most prestigious, uh, probably the most prestigious high school in America. It's a, it's a STEM school. It's very hard to get into. It was always merit-based. And a few years ago, they had the big controversy there where they were, because they felt that too many Asians, and she is um, an Asian-American, too many Asian immigrant families were getting into Thomas Jefferson, that they were going to turn it into a... Um, lottery instead of a meritocracy and they were calling out asian american privilege and she again she had kind of a moment that changed her outlook she probably would not have been an activist for school choice and an activist at school board meetings and all that stuff. but but went through this experience just as she did with with daniel pearl and the terrorists and what I what I love about Azra Nomani is not that I agree with her because there's some things we agree on and there's probably many things we don't. One of the things I love about her is that she will tell you, "I used to think this, and now I think this, and here's how I got there." And and a lot of people won't do that. A lot of people will act like, "Well, I've always been in favor of," or "I've always thought that," you know. And and it takes a I think a an intellect and an honesty to be able to show how you moved and how you grew and she does and she has that and and uh yeah we love having her on we get a great we get i i would say she is top five 
all time with the response we get from people when she's on. We don't use a lot of guests on this show. We don't have guests on frequently. We don't have them on every day. But uh, she's definitely one that people uh, react to. And she she she's right. I mean, this is a moment. I know you've been told a million times, and you've heard it so much that you might even presume it's wisdom. Oh, it's best not to talk about politics or religion. or And what she's saying is, and, and I've been saying it this week too, is we have to. We have to talk about this stuff, and we have to speak up for our side in it. Because um, do we really want to look back on this moment and say, yeah, I minded my own business, or I kept it on the QT? I don't think so. This is a great example of, of what we're talking about. I don't know if you heard this story or not. There was a bunch of um, I mean, the circumstances of this are not completely uh, clear. <clears throat> but there was a bunch of um, Hamas fighters who surrendered to the IDF. Um, and they are um, in a big group. Uh, they're sitting on the ground, they're stripped to their underwear, and they're being loaded into uh, military trucks. And so that's the, the, the bones of the story. They, they surrendered in the face of overwhelming IDF numbers. You know, that happens on battlefields, right, when you realize you're outnumbered, outgunned. So they surrender. That's what's happening. That's the picture. Here's the headline at CNN.com, and this was just this afternoon, so if they've changed it, they've changed it only in the last two or three hours. This is the headline. Images from Gaza show Israeli soldiers detaining dozens of men stripped to underwear. No mention of who they are, what they were doing, why, nothing. A lot of people only read headlines. You know? I mean, uh, not you, but a lot of people, they, the headlines come across their phone, go across the bottom of the screen, whatever. They don't have time for anything else, or they're not that interested. It's very misleading. It's kind of dangerously misleading. 210-599-5555. Um, you know what else has been weird this week? How many more times are we going to agree with John Fetterman? What is going on? This new version of Fetterman, what I don't know what you would we call this Fetterman 3.0. Uh, it's the best version ever. And people are now trying to figure out what he might be up to. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, he was just elected last year, right? So six-year term. He's not up for re-election until 2028. I don't think he's tacking to the center thinking about, you know, the voters and how he just won a squeaker in Pennsylvania and he needs to tack to the center. That that would make sense if he was on the ballot like next year. But he wouldn't be on the ballot till 2028 if I'm remembering correctly. So he is just piling on the common sense. Somebody somebody wrote he's the Manchurian candidate. It's like the Manchurian candidate in reverse. He's he's doing good. It's been activated. They flipped over the Queen of Hearts playing card, and he's 
been activated. I don't know. So does this mean that uh, you'll accept his dress code? Well, now he's, that, he's even you... dressing better. I don't know if you've noticed. He's dressing like a grown-up. Yeah, well, he's wearing a big bit. boy pants and everything. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I, it's like you don't know him. Johnny, we hardly knew ye. Uh, this is what he said about the border crisis. Honestly, it's astonishing. These are not Fox News kinds of statistics. This is the government's. You essentially have Pittsburgh showing up there at the border. He says it is not, um, what was the word? I forget the word he used. Uh, like xenophobia, I think, might have been the word. It's not xenophobia to be concerned about the border. He said his fellow Democrats need to acknowledge that we have a crisis. I mean, bless him. God bless him. I'm not going to make any. I'm not going to make any jokes about his health. I'm I, w- even if he had not said any of these things, I would be glad that he's recovering and whatnot. But um, something's going on here, and let's hope it's you know from the heart and not some kind of weird calculation. Um, but he is saying things that are true, cogent, pretty direct, like very short. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what, Don? I'll, I'll I'll be a hypocrite. If he keeps this up, not only can he wear the hoodie, but <laughs> I may put one on my I may put one on myself. I don't know. We'll see. With a tie, I think we might be all wearing them. We'll With all be wearing hoodies next year. Uh, Jamie's on KTSA. Hey, how you doing? Good afternoon. I mean, uh, you, good afternoon. You're you're so right. That we need to start learn. We need to start teaching this generation, this new generation, that it's okay to talk about politics. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have different views because we haven't. They 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 weren't taught that. I mean, we used to be able to talk about it and have our differences. And I think they've been just towing the line of. I mean, we all have just been towing the line of of either the Democratic Party, or the Republican Party, where they all vote the same or they don't vote the same. And you're starting to see that in a couple of votes that are coming through. There's some Republicans and some Democrats that are working together, which I've never really had a problem with that when, when it's common sense. And, and we need to learn how to talk about it again. We don't, we, if, you, if you don't learn how to talk about anything, it, it's, you're just going to ever toe the line. You're always going to be mad. You're always going to be upset. One thing that I started doing was not, not following the news on, on, on all social media. I kind of stopped that and just... The only thing I do listen to y'all, I guess that might be biased, but y'all usually speak the truth and y'all usually have common sense. And I've seen you get mad at either either party, and that's the great thing. Like you get you get you 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 talk. Oh, I'm about furious both with both. I'm furious with both parties. But yeah, but I will exactly. say this about what you just said. I wanna I wanna jump on that a little bit because I feel like one side has no problem speaking up. Yes. It's the yeah. other side that has told itself or been told, hey, don't bring up religion and, yeah. you know, uh, it's best not to, you know, and, it's impolite to talk about your faith or uh, being pro-life or whatever. No, 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 no. The, the other side has no problem. They're not hesitating at all. So I'm saying yeah. not that both sides need to speak up, but that the side that isn't really needs to start. Yeah, and and one thing that that you've just brought up, and and it's surprising. Yes, I, I have been surprised with what Fetterman has been saying, and and it's the good thing is like, I I may not have voted for him, but at least he's 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 going in the middle and he's looking at both sides. And the problem was is the Democrats thought that he was going to be so 
not able to run, that they can run him and do whatever they want. Right. The way that doing. might be so it. Biden, that might be it. And, and, yeah. and that's what they expected. And he's not yeah. doing that. He's actually he's actually speaking out of his mind. What, what if he woke up good. one day and thought, oh, my gosh, I had a stroke. I've been <laughs> making very little sense. They used me to keep a majority in the Senate, which we all know was the, the, the game. And what if that is what's motivating this? Like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make them pay for assuming I would be their puppet. That could be it. You could be onto something there. And, and that's the thing is that's, that's what they wanted, and they, they didn't yeah. get it. And, and, yeah, I mean, there and you I'm go. glad he's. I mean, I, I'm glad he's doing good, and I'm glad that that he's he's yes. looking at both sides and he's speaking speaking his mind. Thank you. Very good. Tonight. Thank you, sir. Good good call. Always good to hear from you. We'll- Well, here we go, into the weekend. It's here, and before we go, we've got the dish. We're going to talk about restaurants. You're going to talk about restaurants. I, I, yeah, it's all up to you. I'm just one man. There's only so many meals I can eat. But I want to hear where you've been, what's good, what you found, new place, place that's new to you, old favorite you want to sing the praises of, some place that's just great and everybody needs to know how great it is, or if something went off the rails, if you had a, you know, you, you meant well, you hoped for the best, but something went, went awry, you can tell that story. This is where we talk about restaurants the way you would talk to a friend or a coworker about a restaurant, not a restaurant review, but just, you know, this is the place and this is what's good there and this is what you should get when you go. You can praise. Or zing. You make him put up or shut up. You stand your ground and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we got a we got ourselves a little George Zing. I like that. All right, praise or zing at 210-599-5555. Again, any kind of restaurant anywhere around San Antonio or South Texas, even if you know we've had calls about it before, even last week, I, I want to hear your take. On any kind of cuisine, any kind of place, 210-599-5555. The only thing we ask is please have the complete, correct name of the restaurant that you're calling about. And uh, that's the dish. Along the way, we'll gather up any remaining uh, poll votes. We'll have the results on the poll coming up at the end of the hour. Um, Do you remember... Don, I know you have the uh, scene. Do you remember this scene from Home Alone? Cut number four. Are those microwave dinners any good? I don't know. I'll give them a whirl. For the kids. Hold on, I got a coupon for that. It was in the paper this morning. 1983. Okay. Are you here all by yourself? Ma'am, I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Where's your mom? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and your sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you (laughs) live? Uh, I can't tell you that. Why not? 
because you're a stranger. Bags break. Yeah, well, anyway, um, remember, you got a whole wagon full of groceries. $19.83. Somebody figured out that that same uh, selection, those same items, today would be in 1990. I think Kevin would have had to put a few things back. What do you think? Um, 210-599-5555. All right, we're talking restaurants on the dish, and we're going to start with, I think Tim would be a good place to start. Tim, welcome to our show. Good afternoon. Thanks, Jack. Hey, I just wanted to put a plug in for the new Blue Lacy Smokehouse out in Castroville. We are so excited to have this quality of restaurant in our town the meat is unbelievable. The brisket and the dino ribs and the pork ribs and the turkey. Uh, definitely come check it out. It's, you know, across the, from the church on the main square there in Castroville in the old historic Dan's Meat Market. Do, do, I want to make sure I heard you right. Is it called Blue Lacy? Is that what you said? Yes, Blue Lacy Smokehouse. Blue Lacy apparently is the state dog of Texas. Really? How did I not know that? Yeah. I know, never, Jack. I didn't know I, it either. I never, I never heard of that. All right, so Blue Lacy Smokehouse, and you said it's in Casterville. I, you might have, you might have said it, and I'm, I apologize if I missed it. Is there a street address or a? It's uh, street that on, it's uh, on, or yeah, like thirteen oh three Lorenzo, I think. Like it's on Lorenzo Street. It's on the main square in Casterville. You can't miss it uh, near okay. the Catholic Church. Cool. What's the best thing, in your opinion, to get first time somebody goes there? What should they definitely try? I would get a chopped brisket sandwich. It is unbelievable. Or if you're hmm. a brisket purist, just get the sliced brisket, but it's melt in your mouth. It's, like, ridiculously good. Ooh, I like that. I like the sound of that. All right, Blue Lacy Smokehouse, uh, which is BLU, I guess. I'm looking at it here now. Now that I pulled it up, uh, Blue Lacy Smokehouse, 1303 Lorenzo Street in Castroville. First time call on the dish for that restaurant. 210-599-5555, praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience on the dish, that's what we're here to do. Um, along the way, as I said, also votes in the JR poll and some other things. And Brian is next on the radio. Hi, Brian. Happy Friday. Hi, Terry. So, uh, much praise for Palomar. Oh, on West Avenue. Yes, sir. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, me and my wife went for date night. Uh, I had the stacked chicken, or stacked shrimp enchilada, or whatever it's called mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. She got yeah. the beef fajita, and well-priced. Service was amazing. Loved it. Oh, I'm glad you went. I'm glad. It's a it's a good date night place. It has that kind of kind of intimate feel. Did you were you right, able to nice sit? Vibe. Yeah, vibe. That's the word. Um, was the weather okay to sit outside, or did you have to sit inside? It was a little chilly, but I tell you what, they had heaters for yeah. everyone. Yeah, no, I love that patio. If you can, if you can ever sit outside when you go there, it's it's that is the place to be. Palomar yes, Cantina. 
12656 West Avenue. Very good, Brian, and I'm glad you had a good time there. Thank you for the call and praise on the dish. We've got more of them coming up. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Happy Friday night. Welcome to The Dish. We're talking restaurants in this hour of the show, and you can praise or zing uh, any place around town or outside of town, or it may be that you just went there tonight or today or recently or this week. It could be new or new to you or an old favorite you're singing the praises of, 210-599-5555. And Tom, welcome to the show. Happy Friday night. Happy Friday, Jack. I'm calling to give a praise to a Vietnamese restaurant called Pho Vin Bistro on Northwest Military. And they have very good pho thai, which is the beef soup, and the uh, summer rolls with the uh, wrapped with the uh, shrimp. It's mm-hmm. very, very good, very good quality Vietnamese food and reasonably priced, mm. um, especially when it gets cool. I, I worked with a guy that was a, uh, that introduced me to Vietnamese food about 20 years ago, and I've loved it ever since. And I try to look out for a good restaurant, and that's a good one. Is that the one that's in the uh, Allon Center there? Exactly. In the H-E-B Center? Yeah. That's correct. Yep. It's It's so funny that you would call about this tonight, because just last night I was at the Hayden uh, right next door, and I saw that place that you're you're talking about, and I Mm -hmm. thought, i got to try that when I'm over here sometime. So here you are calling and telling me i got to try that place. Oh, it's it's great. We've been going for about four years especially when it gets cool with the cold front and about you know two weeks ago when it got cool we went over there and it was oh. well another cold front's coming so another opportunity uh favien bistro in the allon town center 11503 northwest military highway that allon center also sometimes referred to as the heb center uh a lot of restaurants and businesses kind of flanking that heb there at uh, uh northwest military so Fa Vien Bistro. Praise on the dish. 210-599-5555. And uh, James is next on the dish. Happy Friday night, James. Uh, happy Friday, Jack. Hey, listen, I enjoyed your rapping uh, with Jack's show the other night. That was great. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, I always support that. And that's a great, that's a great I cause. I appreciate that. Anyway, uh, 2M Barbecue, I think I've even called on it before. And they have some of the best smoked uh, turkey. I almost said brisket, but their brisket is good. But their smoked turkey is good, but it always sells out. And the first time I was in line there uh, on South uh, W.W. White, I don't know the exact number, but I was standing in line with two San Antonio police officers, and they they were hooked on that place too as well. But as a side, your first caller, or one of your first callers, the Blue Lacy in Castroville, mm-hmm. That's the same. The same owners opened that one in Castroville, and I've been following it for a long time because I don't live far away from there. And uh, they put they put a few million dollars into uh, retrofitting that place because it's uh, they had to coordinate with the historical commission and all that because of the building. Oh. And my son's eaten there twice, and he says it's outstanding. But those guys, uh, they really know how to do barbecue, brisket, smoked turkey, 
Um, their sausage is good. It's it's got a it's got a Mexican cheese in the sausage. But uh, what my son was bragging about on the Blue Lacy in Casterville, they kind of mixed up their sides from their San Antonio location. They're, they moved to more like an Alsatian theme on their sides because of the location. He says they do an Alsatian potato salad that is excellent, and I can't wow. wait to try it. Yeah. Well, that, that does sound good. So you're saying the same owners that have 2M also own Blue Lacy? That is correct. Cool. That's that's good two, to know. I two, love hearing two that. Boy, two boys that grew up in Podunk, Atascosa, Texas, and they're doing well, and that's great. Very nice. Very. That's a great story. And, yeah, very big props for 2M Smokehouse uh, on South WW White. Good choice, James. Thank you. Uh, it's 2731 South WW White 2M Smokehouse. That's one of those places that has popped up and made there's always been good places on ww white but now it's like a foodie you know destination or whatever which is funny how those things work out it's kind of random sometimes but uh, like where i grew up uh there was a town next to my town that was never like you know nothing really special just a suburb and you know the, the business district was kind of meh you know and, and all of a sudden in the years since I moved away, there's like this street that when I knew it was kind of run down and looked kind of hard luck. Now it's like where all the hip new restaurants are. And it's just, it's crazy that that would be the place, but that happens. One, one, you know, popular or hip spot opens up and then other people think, well, I want to, we want to locate our, our new restaurant near that, or we want to take advantage of the traffic going to that. And Next thing you know, South WW White. So 210-599-5555 on the dish. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. I was just reading about these two guys who have broken a world record. They're from Australia. Uh, they're lifelong friends. They're 26 years old, Harry and Jake. You know, classic story. You know, they, they grew up together. They've known each other their whole lives. They have just set the Guinness World Record. They went on a pub crawl that took them to 99 bars in a 24-hour period, all in Sydney, all in 24 hours. The previous record was a South African guy who did 78 pubs in 24 hours, so they blew past that. I wonder why they stopped at 99. Like, you know, could do 100. You're there, right? Maybe yeah. they ran out of them. I don't know. Maybe but, there only were 99. But what was the criteria for each time you go into the bar? I mean, do you have to drink a particular type of, you know, drink? Or can, um, do you just walk the, in and the, walk out? The The article says um, they had originally planned to have a an alcoholic, one alcoholic drink at every other pub. And then in the alternating ones, they would have non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, but that changed because there are very strict public intoxication laws, hmm. and they felt they would be too inebriated. <laughs> well, I can, yeah, well, <laughs> duh. So I don't know. In the end, they had a drink, a beverage, yeah. at 99 bars. Oh, and it also I didn't read to the bottom... They meant to do a hundred, and they miscounted. Hmm. So, so, so would that <laughs> kind of coincide with the 
what was that, 99 beers on the wall song? Oh, there you go. That's That makes kind it sound almost that. like a plan. Yeah. yeah, no, they had planned for 100, but they said they counted wrong. And Lord knows they probably did a few other things wrong. I mean, if you think about it, 99 bars, you're going to make a, you're going to make a bunch of mistakes, right? It, not just counting mistakes. You're going to make other mistakes. You're probably going to button your shirt wrong. You're probably going to give your phone number to somebody you didn't mean to. You're probably going to get a phone number or two that you don't remember the next day. All kinds of things are going to happen. You're 26. You're in Australia, right? Right? You're going in and out of these bars. They had t-shirts made. They wore, they wore t-shirts, uh, with their names on them. And it says official world record attempt. So, you got to know people were coming up to them and ca- talking to them and asking them what's the deal with the shirt and all that. So sounds like they had a good time. Sounds like a, yeah, a lot of Foster's four hours, a lot of Foster's lager to, beer. Yeah, some Foster's lager. That's right. <laughs> Kept drinking it out of those big Pennzoil cans that it comes in. Um, so there you go. All right, congratulations, uh, men. We we knew we could count on you in Australia, and uh, that seems like the right place. Like that's where the record should probably reside. Is is Australia? I would think. I would I would imagine that's. That's the place to do it if you're going to do it. Do you remember way, way back, I don't know how many years back you'd have to go for this, do you remember when some HEBs had a Chinese kitchen? This was just at the beginning of when HEB was doing restaurants. Now a lot of the HEBs have, a, have an in-store restaurant. I'm not talking about like where you can buy sandwiches. I'm talking about like a business within the business, you know, it's separate. It's got its own entrance, tables. Some of them are barbecue, right? But do you remember Chinese Kitchen at HEB? Like, I used to love the one at De Zavala and I-10. They had a Chinese Kitchen. And I know, I know, before anybody says anything, I, I realize it's not probably, like, gourmet Chinese food or authentic or whatever. But, I mean, it was just it was very satisfying. You got a lot of food. I mean, I was young. I could eat a lot of food, but you, you get like a big, big serving, and they were the ladies were super generous. Do you remember those? And I don't remember when those went away, but I think they're mostly gone. And um, what reminded me of them, I would have forgotten about it completely because you know, forgetting everything. But I just read the other day at uh, in myessay.com that there is still a Chinese kitchen at the HEB in McAllen. <laughs> it's a very random uh, news article, like uh, kind of like out of nowhere. But they were saying that for whatever reason, the Chinese kitchen remained there. Like I, you wonder, well, I could see if they had closed them all, but like why would they leave a few of them? I wonder how that was decided to know that. So uh, if you find yourself, I wouldn't drive to McAllen for it, but if you find yourself in McAllen, it's the HEB at Pecan and Ware. Still is a Chinese kitchen. Now I think most of their restaurants are pizza or barbecue, right? Inside the HEBs. And I, and they're they're good. But yeah, I do miss the Chinese kitchen at De Zavala. That was I would go out of my way for that. It wasn't really my nearest H E B. Wasn't where I usually shopped, but I do remember hitting that up for some General Joe's chicken, a timer or ten. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. 
He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. That's the version of the song for grown He sees you when you're sleeping. You know, he's like, when you're let the let the, uh, let the old guys he sing it to the kids, but uh, this is bad, this is the grown-up version, swinging it a little, a little bit of an edge to it, like you better watch out. Yeah. Like Sinatra knows people, you better watch out. Wind up in the trunk. All right, this half hour results on the JR poll. More of your calls on the dish two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I thought this was funny. The New York Times reported this week that. We have invaded France again. You know, Americans had to go over to France and bail them out twice, right? World War One, World War Two. We've gone back in, and this time the invasion is Krispy Kreme. New York Times did a whole story about how Krispy Kreme has finally uh, expanded into France. And what's funny is... They are excited about it as if they were us. People slept out on the street overnight to be the first in line. <laughs> they lined up around the block. I mean, this is this is a country with bakeries on every corner, and you know they're very proud of their you know baguettes. Uh, well, they got their baguettes over to Krispy Kreme in a big hurry, uh, and it says here in the article that in fact a lot of um, like American style. Bakery goods are very popular. Not only Krispy Kreme, but like Dunkin' and all that stuff. Uh, they love it. It's probably a novelty to them. Uh, they interviewed a guy that was late to work because he had to get Krispy Kreme the first day it was open. So um, there you go. We've 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 bailed them out yet again. You're welcome, France. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five on the dish, and Veronica is next. Happy Friday night, Veronica. Happy Friday night, Jack. What is up? Well, uh, not too terribly much, but I called in because, honestly, it was kind of hard to choose a restaurant to praise because we eat a lot of local and we love them all. But we had dinner last night at Mina and Demi's Greek House. Yes. I I discovered that place for the first time. I wish I'd have discovered it sooner over the summer. And... The first thing I got was something I was familiar with, so I got a euro, and it's really hard to get anything else because it's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I I did try the um, Stanikopita once and enjoyed that thoroughly, and their desserts. They have so many wonderful desserts, but it's just delicious food. It's a fun place, and um, I just am always anxious to get back there, so I just want to give them a praise. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm glad you called about it. It's been a while. It's been a, been a, almost a couple of years since we had a call about Minna and Dimmy's. And let me ask you, is it just curious? Is it near you or did you have to go a little out of your way to get to it? It's not very far. And I, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I was just looking for some Greek food. Honestly, yeah. we used to drive down to Tripoli's. Um, and they closed. And it, they were closed for over a year. They reopened in, in Alamo Ranch. Um, but in the meanwhile, I just mm. wanted a good euro. So I, I mm. was doing some searching, and I found them. 
they were in the neighborhood, and I'm I'm thankful, and we love them. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so happy. Uh, you you found a great you found a great place. The reason I asked is because a lot of people that used to recommend it to me, they were coming from all over the place to get to it, and that almost meant more to me than the stuff they said about the food. Like if you're driving that far, that's all I need that's to know, a, yeah. right? So very oh, good, yeah. great it choice. I'm glad you called it in, Veronica. Thank you, Mina and Dimi's Greek House, seventy one fifty nine. Highway 90 in San Antonio. It's been a couple of years, like I said, since we had a call. Uh, 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. And Gennaro is next on the radio. Gennaro, happy Friday night to you, sir. Hey, Jack. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, sir. I love this show. Oh, my God, man. I'm, I, I've listened to you since day one, man. Anyway... Um, I'm calling for a zing on a restaurant called Thai Lao Orchid Restaurant, and it is located at 116 Broadway, downtown, off of Houston Street, and I worked at a Thai restaurant uh, in my younger years, and I worked at several Japanese restaurants. Um, I've been eating sushi since, um... Uh, 87, summer of 87, and um, this place is across the street from a, a pub that I hang out, and so well, I went out there, and I had some other sushi, man, and, um, you know, there's only certain sushi that I don't like, and one of them is um, abalone, and another one is urchin. Well, this was supposed to be tuna. And it tasted horrible, man. Oh. Just just horrible. Um all their sushi, California rolls, everything mm-hmm. horrible, Jack. And mm. I'm surprised I'm surprised I didn't I didn't fall ill. What well, why um, I'm just curious, why would you get sushi at a Thai place? Um, I was hungry and some of these places, some of the, I used to work for a place, no plug, man, off of Boston Highway, Tongs. I'm just going to say that, the first one. Tongs and, Thai, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they had great sushi. Okay. They had great sushi. But a lot of these people, um, they're trying to open up restaurants, and they're trying to do the sushi thing. But, hey, man, you got to oh. have your knowledge, man, on the oh, sushi okay. thing. But, uh, so yeah, so man, have you uh, only had the sushi there? Have you? Is that the only time you ate there, or? No, I ate there a couple of times. Um, I had some of their Vietnamese stew. Uh, I, 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 I don't even know how to pronounce it. Po Fu. Or, um, but um, it was um, it was the sushi that completely turned me off, man. And okay. I, I, I won't go there again, ever. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so that's a zing for, and you said it's the location at 116 Broadway, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. A zing what? for Thai Lao Orchid, yeah. 116 Broadway. A zing on the sushi, says Gennaro. Gennaro, thank you. You make him dish. put up or shut up. You stand your ground and don't <laughs> get bogged down by all the haters out there. Merry Christmas. That's George Santos, who you can now hire to record a personal message. Don, did we ever find out how much George charges for that? Um, no, I did not. And I don't know, you know if I want to know because I, I think I well I, I would not use this. I would spring for a George Santos. Um, would you really personal greeting really? for the right person? Okay, you know, but if if it's not too much, I, I'd give him you know I'd give him a sawbuck. 
Hmm. That's a, <laughs> but if he wants like fifty bucks, I mean, forget he's gonna have to, right. he's gonna have to do a lot more for me. I don't know. Then record some little message. You know what I mean? His great. I want a whole routine. I want a bill. I want everything. You know. His voice grates on me. You make him put up or shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It does great. You're right. I'm not saying I would send it to somebody I like. It's a yes. It is. You know who it reminds me of? You know who he sounds a little bit like is um, maybe just a little bit. Oh boy, I'm probably going to offend some people. Play it one more time. You make him put up or shut up. You stand your ground and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Merry Christmas. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to back off of that comparison. I, I'm not going there after all. I've changed my mind. He sounds like somebody, though. It wasn't going to be who I said. You ever do that where you think, oh, this sounds just like a celebrity, and then you hear it again, and you're mm-hmm. like, no, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, sounds, it sounded to me like a senator, and I can't think, and I can't think of his name oh maybe often, yeah but speaking yeah, of little sounding like i have been uh, this is just random and a non sequitur but i have been struggling because i was briefly able to do that week that i was off the week of thanksgiving i was walking around the house and i was able to do a trump voice and i was very excited because i thought oh when i get back imagine how handy that would be if I could just do a Trump voice on demand, like any time, you, you, we could be we could do, be doing bits like crazy, and then I lost it. How does that happen? How does, How does that, that happen? happen? How do you learn to do a voice and then lose the voice? <laughs> I mean, I was walking around the house. Only the only, only the dog heard it. Was it a moment when you were not feeling well, maybe, or you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Because he does always have that sort of post nasal drip yeah, yes. sound going on, right? And you got to do the yes. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what we didn't play? I know. We and dig it out is that uh, see if I can find Captain Deplorable quick. guy. He yeah. did a uh, he did a Christmas song in his Trump voice that was yeah. pretty good. Give me a moment. Anyway, uh, so long story short, I I can't do it anymore, and it was like one of those. I guess I had maybe like one of those moments. You know how they have people? Uh, you've heard people who will have like a a head injury, and they they come out of the head injury, and they have like now they have a foreign accent that is completely. Yeah random and doesn't connect with where they're from at all you know some guy in england will suddenly you know sound like he's chinese or something it's just weird uh, i guess some sort of uh crossing of the wires in the brain or something well you kind of so i kind of feel i like did not have a head injury just don't nobody should worry about that I, you kind of feel like that's what happened to fetterman though <laughs> oh yeah like now only instead of an accent now he just makes sense yeah, his, his accent is sensible. Anyway, uh, yeah, if you find the uh, find the Trump thing, we got to get that on one of these days. Um, uh, oh, do you have it? Yes, oh, let's, let's it. hear. It. This is Captain Deplorable doing Trump. Well, the weather outside is scary, and we know that his legs are hairy. We know it because he told us so. Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe. Can't understand him when he's speaking. He even said he was border aching. Fell off a bike when it was going slow. Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe. On the border, he has no clue. And it's making us all go insane. When he's got nothing left to do, he just sends some more cash to Ukraine. Mm, Now the country is slowly dying. 
And Corrine Jean-Pierre keeps on lying. This president is our greatest foe. Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, mm. Sleepy Joe. I mean, nothing puts you in the holiday mood like that. Um, yeah, so it's like um, there's the post-nasal thing. He's got a way. It sounds like he's talking slowly, but he's actually talking pretty quickly. Mm. Kind of bites off the last syllable of some words. Yeah. He kind of, it always sounds like he's just been yelling, but he's not yelling now. Yes. And he has that hoarseness of somebody that was just screaming, but isn't screaming now. And there's a little bit of post-nasal drip going on. Yeah, there's definitely that. There's definitely, <laughs> remember they tried to, remember the media tried to say, oh, he's a cocaine user. Yeah. Like that would, that would explain everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll, maybe it'll come back to me. Probably come back to me while I'm on Christmas vacation. So. Just my luck. Talent that I can't employ. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, Ryan O'Neill. If you've not heard the news, Ryan O'Neill passed away. He was 82. His family said that he had a number of illnesses, but there's not a, an official cause of death. And, uh, of course, iconic uh, movie roles and romances with people like Farrah Fawcett and Barbara Streisand. And here's one of those movie moments with Ryan O'Neill. I'm going to study with Nadia Boulanger, aren't I? Who? Next year, I have a scholarship in Paris. Paris? Yeah, I've never been to Europe. I can hardly wait. Hey. How long have you known about this? Come on, Ollie, don't be stupid, would you please? It's inevitable. What is? That we're going to graduate and go our separate ways and that you're going to go on to law school. What are you talking about? You're a preppy millionaire and I'm a social zero. What does that have to do with going our separate ways? We're together now, aren't we? We're happy. Look, Harvard is like this big Santa Claus bag stuffed full of all kinds of crazy toys. But when the holiday is over, this has they been come a little home, bit more than a holiday, you out, and you've Jenny. You've got to go back where you belong. You're going back to Cranston, Rhode Island, and bake cookies, pastries, and don't make fun of my father. Then don't leave me, Jenny. Please. Yeah, but what about my scholarship? And what about Paris that I've never seen in my whole life? And what about our marriage? Who said anything about marriage? I'm saying it now. You want to marry me? Yeah. Why? Because. It's not going well when the girl asks, uh, when you propose marriage and the girl asks why. It's not going well. Probably not going to work out. Um, was that was that, uh, was that love story? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, Allie was. McGraw, right? Uh, 70, what, 72? 273? Yeah, somewhere He was a good-looking guy. He was. He was a very good-looking mm-hmm. guy. Um, so Ryan O'Neill. You heard there, more about him in the days ahead. There's a great movie, if anyone loves westerns, that he did that I really enjoyed. It, uh, it had Will, uh, William Holden, I believe. And it was kind of one of the first buddy-type movies that was made during that time period. And uh, it's a good movie. It's something worthwhile to check out. I bet there'd probably be a lot of his movies now on TCM, right? They usually kind of go into... Oh, yeah. They throw sure it into a mm-hmm. little tribute mode. It's amazing how fast they have that ready to go. Like, it's almost a little, almost a little eerie, right? Like, you're, you're only dead like a few hours, and they're rolling at TCM. Of course, it's TCM, so it's all movies by people that are either no longer with us or... Soon will not be with us. I, mean, that's just, right. I guess I, I, I just, just answered my own question. That's why go. they're ready because, yeah, <laughs> kind of the waiting room. All right, JR poll results. 
uh, we asked you, do you uh, do real or artificial if you do a Christmas tree? Powered by River City Oral Surgery. 73% artificial, 27% real. And a new JR poll when we go live Monday or find our show anytime on demand at KTSA.com. I'll leave you tonight with this is the day in 1980 that Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football broke the news about John Lennon. And here's how it sounded. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank. Indeed it is. Save me from ruin.